That's what I should just say back to you, too. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> this is why, like, do you ever do that where you're, like, talking to your friends and you're, like, your friends telling you what to say to a guy? And then, like, the next day, I looked at it and I'm like, why did I say that? I've lost, I've lost all good lovers that way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for that one, she told me to say No, that. and you told me, <laughs> you're like, I always prefer to it in third person, so just say, like, but why if she's craving you? And so I did send it, and then I deleted that I sent it because I was like, shit, why did I send it? So I deleted it so I wouldn't have the memory that I sent it, and then they responded, and I was like, fuck, I did say well, that. That's even weirder that you deleted it. <laughs> I didn't unsend it, I just deleted it so that way I wouldn't oh. see it in my inbox and obsess over it. Just press foreplay. My loves, welcome back. You are listening to Just Press Foreplay. I am your host, Susie. This week, we are going to get a little bit more into love and lust. I know we very lightly touched on it last week. We had a little bit of like dark psychology perspective, a little more of the jaded perspective on things last week. This week, I wanted to throw in seduction with the topic as well, because love lust and seduction, I feel like all go hand in hand. It's all something that psychologically can completely break us if we let ourselves be victims to how other people treat us. And if we don't first set our foundation for where our self-esteem is on those topics. I brought in my good friend Becca because she has read the book The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene and she has a lot of really good perspective on that. But I also wanted to bring in some other perspectives on ways that seduction cannot be manipulating, ways that seduction can instead be fully empowering and more exciting rather than terrifying and something that is used to kind of hold a power over someone else. So I have pinned a lot of fun, fun information, especially on this topic. There's a lot of YouTube videos on the Pinterest board, and there's a few comparison um, kind of cartoon things that I put on there just so you can notice if you're being a victim of someone who is using certain lustful tactics on you. Um, or maybe you're someone who doesn't realize that you're doing it to someone else and it can kind of just help you open your eyes a little bit on maybe some better ways to harness your sexual energy so you're not necessarily depleting another individual in the process. The easiest way to uh, get connected to the Pinterest board is to just hop over to our website. So justpressforeplay.com. Up on the top right hand corner, you'll see all of our links for Pinterest, our Facebook, our Instagram, and then also for Reddit. I'm really excited about this Reddit tab because this is where I can start posting questions for you guys to go answer anonymously. And for next week, I'm going to be out of town. So what I want to do is have you guys send me stories of your dirty, nasty uh, Christmas confessions. I want to know what you guys are doing to try and hide and get it in around family because I know we're all horny and stressed out, especially when families are involved, let alone holidays in 2020. Um, so hop over there. Tell me all of your dirty, nasty secrets. I want to hear them. I want to read them. I want to talk about them. And then the last little bit before we get into this week's episode, Little Birdie told me that some vitamins and some supplements might be a little bit difficult to get a hold of. If you are someone who is interested in taking supplements regularly, I have access to getting you a pretty significant discount for being one of our listeners. I can also get you free shipping. All the vitamins are organic, holistically sourced, 
All of the information is vast and available to you, but you'd have to send me a DM so I can get you hooked up with a customer profile. I'm not going to go into too much detail on anything else regarding that. It will be all uh, DM information if that's something that you're interested in. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome, Becca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. Um, so this week we're talking love, lust, and seduction. And you've read the book, The Art of Seduction. Do you want to share a little bit of your perspective on that? Yeah, I haven't read it cover to cover. I feel like that's a really difficult book to read cover to cover because it's very dense. Mm-hmm. But it kind of goes into a lot of historical stories about real people. Casanova, King Louis, or just all these real people and kind of what happened to them and Cleopatra's how they kind of, in there too, right? The what? Is Cleopatra I think in there so, too? They yeah. too. And it's just people that kind of have learned ways, kind of a manipulation in a way, but it breaks down nine different types of seducers. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about, you know, anti-seductive qualities as well. The thing that I think struck me more about it was just the nine types of seducers, because it kind of put in my brain like, oh, there's different types of people and what they have to offer the world and what is what's seductive about them, what's mm-hmm. attractive about them, what is it that they have that the world appreciates or that, you know, attracts people to them. So it kind of was a way for me to kind of figure out myself and be like, oh, what is it about me that people enjoy? What can I maybe yeah. enhance or tune into to be more attractive or to be more seductive? Did you find that you resonated with like parts of any of them or did you resonate with like one specific type? Um, Well, it did mention that you could kind of have one that was like your main seduction type. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you would maybe find one or two other ones that are kind of your secondary ones. And there were a couple. I felt like there was the natural, which is someone who just kind of hasn't lost that innocence in them or that kind of childlike nature. Mm -hmm. And so when they're around other people, it kind of gives the other person... um, permission to just kind of be their authentic self be the person almost that you were maybe as a child have that kind of childlike nature as well yeah and also the ideal lover the ideal lover is someone who's kind of like kind of creates a fantasy they can kind of figure out what that person's lacking, like the other person is lacking within themselves or missing. So they kind of have like that extra awareness to be able to see. Yeah, they can figure out like, okay, this person's missing this aspect of their life or of their self-esteem and they can Mm -hmm. tune into it and they can provide that person what it is that they're missing to create this kind of illusion of like a a perfect love experience. Yeah. I think the only thing about that book is like we were talking about earlier, it seems like the end game is more about kind of manipulating people. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Patrick was kind of telling me about it too, is that he, what he took from it was more of the ways to be manipulating to people to get what you want. And the thing that scares me about that is I, like if I think about my relationships and the ability to harness any of that, I worry that down the road, I would then see that those relationships are not actually what I wanted because I turned them into what I wanted, but then it dissipates, you know, because you created something that's not actually there. Yeah. I think, like, I guess what we were talking about in that tarot episode that one time about kind of take, taking things and leaving things or like applying things differently. Yeah. Like, taking what resonates with you. Yeah. Like one of the other things about the book was, is talking about being in tune with your lover. And mm-hmm. that's more important than, I guess, being self-centered. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're, if you're trying to be if you just you if you just apply that towards your a relationship like 
okay, in order to have a successful relationship, I need to be in tune with my partner Mm -hmm. and really understand their psychology and not just be like, well, this is how I am. And if that doesn't work, then, you know, we're just going to have a fight about it. Yeah. Instead of being like, okay, well, I feel this way, but I understand how they think and how they feel because of their background or you know their experiences or whatever. So yeah. you can kind of compromise or just be more understanding of their psychology yeah, and be a better lover. One of the greatest things I ever heard, this woman, she's English and she's very extravagant and very loud and one of my favorites. And she goes, you need to get a PhD in your MAN. And that was just, that's just going to be how your relationship is going to be what you want it to be. Like you guys need to have a PhD in each other. You need to be obsessed almost with learning what the other person loves and not not about the other person telling you necessarily what they need but like you're you're excited to figure that out you know because you're just naturally drawn to them I feel like people do tell you all the time maybe not always verbally but there people are always I feel like constantly telling each other what it is that they need mm-hmm. and it's just up to you to actually want to listen and pay attention yeah like maybe it's not attention. in so many direct words but they are still speaking that if you're actually paying attention and aware yeah I see that yeah do you think you had a different interpretation of the word seduction before reading this book versus after I don't know I mean I guess I kind of didn't really think about the concept really Mm -hmm. that much because I think I read that book initially when I was like 19 years old okay so before that I just kind of thought you know seduction like yeah like I guess no like seducing is kind of like getting somebody to kind of be in your spell, you know? Yeah. Like like enticed by you. Yeah. And I mean, the book kind of talked about that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I told you one of the concepts was, it was saying that humankind, one of the mistakes that they make is thinking that love is just this magical thing that just falls into place and you're just going to find the right one. And it's just going to be magical. Here's the one. Here they are. Yeah. Instead of being like, no, this is actually something that I need to work towards or Mm -hmm. work for. Or be at least an active agent of mm-hmm. like paying attention, you know, really tuning into what the, your lover is saying to you or not saying to you through, yeah, you know, their whatever body movements and their... I think the love that you have for yourself also has so much to do with what types of people are going to come into your life and the type of, you know, seductive situations that you're going to be putting yourself in is also going to fall back on how you feel about yourself. You know, so if you run a higher sexual energy for yourself, then you'll attract people who are like on a little bit of a better level. So you don't have to worry so much about like it being toxic seductiveness, but it can be like elevated seductiveness in a way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, I was telling you, it talks a lot about anti-seductive qualities as Mm -hmm. well. And just the kind of the idea of you portraying your insecurities rather than portraying what you're yeah. What you're giving to someone. It's almost like what you want them to give you. And yeah. And that's anti-seductive. If I, it's like projecting your voids. Yeah. If I go to someone and I'm just like, please love me, essentially. I'm not saying it, but I'm saying it with mm-hmm. everything that I'm doing. They, it's almost like they feel that desperation. Yeah. And it's anti-seductive. Like, okay, yeah. well, you're freaking me out here. Yeah. You're no longer emitting something that's like desirable for yourself. Now you're just emitting desperation. <laughs> yeah. And you're also telling, you're almost telling them like, that you need something from them. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a chore than it is exciting. Yeah. And it's like, well, now I'm just going to give you the, the other person. They're like, now I'm just going to give you a portion of myself. And what am I getting in return? Yeah. Like, it's crazy because all these things are like a subconscious conversations that our bodies are having, you know, and we're not actually even 
physically speaking about it but then we we leave an interaction we're like why am i fucking drained yeah and it's like these little things we're not paying attention to are the reason why you know yeah i think it's i guess it's interesting like codependency like codependency is known you know someone who's always thinking about other people always doing things for other people putting other people before themselves but with codependency actually comes like a need inside of them to be fulfilled. Yeah. And so it's almost like a reversal thing in its essence, because even though you're giving, you're really needing that other person to give you those things. Mm-hmm. So the other person isn't actually feeling fulfilled by the codependent. They're feeling almost used. Like, yeah, really, you need me to make yourself feel needed. Right. Right. Where if you shifted the perspective a little bit and instead of needing that from someone else, give yourself what you need first. Because then you're leaving for when your lover comes in, you know, they're not, they're not there to fill a void for you anymore. They're literally just there to like enjoy your presence basically. Yeah. And that's what you want. Like that's the goal that you want to get to because that's how they're going to truly see you for who you are and you'll get to see them for who they are because, you know, then you're not in the state of projecting. You're not in the state of filling in blanks in your head and or like assuming they're thinking certain things or anything like that. Like you can truly be there in the moment. Yeah. Do you think your style of seduction has changed, grown, or evolved based off how, like, the levels of where your self-esteem has been at? Well, it's interesting because I actually was, I had highlighted things that resonated with me when I was, like, 19 when I read it the first time. Now, one that I mentioned before, the natural, where it brings out the childlike nature, I feel like I was more like that then because I was a little bit more naive. Yeah. And so I kind of was, my mind was kind of like a child, Mm -hmm. you know, so I can kind of bring that energy to people. I think as I've grown, as I've had more experiences, I might not necessarily have that anymore. I can now take on, like, another role. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it does develop and especially probably as your confidence increases, you might find like, oh, now I can be like a siren. I can just kind of like, like envelop this sexual energy and people and let people kind of just see this, this complete confidence in my sexual energy. I don't think I'm the siren, but mm-hmm. saying I do think you can evolve through, through them. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think also it's interesting to think about what style of seduction other people have mm-hmm. and they can use on you. Oh, so like the coquette I was telling you is someone who kind of plays hot and cold. They leave, they come back and that can be very seductive because it leaves you wondering. It leaves you Mm -hmm. hoping that they call you. It leaves you wondering when they're going to go, when they're going to come back. You're always thinking about them and obsessing over them. So kind of knowing, okay, I'm the type of person who maybe falls easily with this other type of seduction. Mm-hmm. You can maybe even protect yourself yeah. from that. If you know. Yeah. Because it's interesting because there's certain personality types. Like I know what it feels like to have someone be that type of seductive person where it's the hot and cold. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know basically when you're going to hear from them again or whatever. Um, and if you're not someone who's strong, like that can be something that completely destroys you or turns you into someone who's obsessive or brings out qualities of you where you're like who the fuck am I right now like what is this turning me into so I get it like it is important to understand all of them so that way you don't become victim to any of them yeah and you kind of are put then you're the person being put in the spell Mm -hmm. and you're just blinded by these emotions that this person's giving you because they're tuning into what it is that you're missing yeah but how cool to be one step ahead and like they think that they have one up on you but really you're like nope I I already know what you are (laughs) yeah I've seen I've seen you before just in another form okay (laughs) the same same person oh you're seductive style number four (laughs) 
I feel like I've actually had that kind of experience in my dating, like not because of the seduction thing, but like in my dating life where, you know, something, somebody kind of manipulates you or does something to you and you understand why you had the reaction that you had based off whatever. And then the next time it happens, you're able to cut it off before it happens. You're able to Mm -hmm. see what's going to happen before it even happens. Cause you're like, Oh, you're doing exactly what that other person did. Yep. You can recognize it. And I know exactly what you're going to do next. And I'm not going to be a part of that. Yep. And when you shut it down, they might, you know, continue to try to manipulate you and guilt trip you or whatever, but start gaslighting, but you know what they're doing. Cause you've already seen it before. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also fun for the other person too, because sometimes when you're someone who's like a dominate, a dominantly seductive person and you don't have energies who challenge you at all, they kind of just like allow you to continuously be this powerhouse of an individual in that way. But there's like no accountability to how you're affecting people. So like, it's nice when you start to have that awareness of yourself and you'd be like, no, like this is legitimate psychological fuckery that you're putting me through right now. Like, I don't want to play, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then teaches them to grow too because seduction does scare me in a lot of ways. Cause there's so many areas in which it can be used to just be degrading to people and not really have a regard for how it is affecting them at all. But I almost feel like that's just the Western interpretation of it. I feel like seduction wasn't always started that way. I feel like seduction can be a beautiful, empowering thing if you use it properly and if you have the right awareness in place for it, you know? Well, like the Casanova stories I was reading was just kind of him just having these love, like lover experiences with women. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I actually don't think that in him in particular, I don't think that it necessarily negatively impacted the women. Yeah. It just kind of created this almost fantasy, like, you know, love situation or whatever for a certain period of time yeah and then he would go off and like there were certain stories where he would even tell them like you know they would feel bad because they're like oh i have to go back to my life now i was like sorry casanova you know Mm -hmm. and he's like no that's fine like this is just gonna be like he told one woman no this is just always gonna be or our temporary respite to our anxiety. Like we're Mm -hmm. always going to be lifelong friends because when we come together, we just naturally have this amazing energy Yeah, and we can just enjoy that. Yeah. And then, you know, never feel guilty or bad about having to like leave, leave each other because we can always come back to it later. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're, like right now, like, this is kind of like what Patrick and I had gone through is we know that our relationship doesn't work in the traditional, like, it's just going to be you and I type of relationship thing. Like, People are erotic creatures and it's kind of silly to think that like if your mentality is to stay with one person for fucking forever, but you're also bored, you know, like, I don't know, there's just just this catch 22 in society where it's like we're told that we want to have this picket fence life, but at the same time, relationships don't always work that way. And I resonate more with the feeling of like, no, like there are friendships, there are relationships, there are connections that you have in your life that aren't always there all the time but when you go back to it you kind of pick up right where you left off yeah so it's kind of weird if you're that personality type to still try and fit into this normal societal box of being that way when it it literally doesn't work that way for everyone and there's people who destroy relationships trying to be monogamous when they both should fucking know that they're not yeah i think it i think it is a really like what you were saying it's a really difficult thing to you want monogamy because you almost have that jealousy thing of like, no, I want to feel special. I want to feel like, yeah, I want, ones, I want, but then kind of ends up sometimes deteriorating your relationship because uh-huh. human nature is to kind of have something until it expires and then yeah. be like, this doesn't serve me anymore. 
and it's not serving you. So why are we holding on to something that's an idea of something not like there a, anymore? Yeah. yeah. It actually just will create suffering because you're just trying to attach yourself to something that's not even there anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's what was happening with us too. You know, like he was suffering because he was feeling bad for being in this situation. And then I'm also suffering because I'm like, well, I see that you're suffering and I know that this isn't what both of us want, but the friendship's there, you know? So it's like, I don't know. We've just been, life just fucking construes like how we're supposed to actually be enjoying each other's presence, you know? There was actually, there was a book uh, written by Osho, which I found Mm -hmm. out he actually was some, had some weird cult and he was a really weird person, but whatever. There was this story that I thought was really cool. And it was about these two lovers and they lived like across the lake from each other. And so they would meet every once in a while in the middle of the lake on the boat and they would like have a little picnic on Mm -hmm. the boat and they would talk and have wine or whatever. And eventually the man proposed to the woman, like, you know, I want to be with you. Like, I love you. Can we get married or progress our relationship? Mm -hmm. And the woman was like, okay, with one condition. And he's like, what's that? She's like, I don't want to live with you. I want to just continue this. Like when we want to meet, we'll meet in the middle of the lake and we'll have our thing together and we'll just enjoy that time. And when we don't want to meet, we won't. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that that idea is really hard for people to kind of fathom because mm-hmm. they have that attachment or they have that thing of like, no, it's not supposed to be like Well, that, and there's this you know? like subconscious, if I'm not with you in your mind, what are you doing? And it's like, that's, we shouldn't have that at all. Yeah. Cause you're almost like you're, you're holding, you're possessing that love instead of just like letting it kind of be this, what it is. Yeah. And just kind of letting it be free and enjoying it for what it is. It's mm-hmm. like. It's like when you like pick a flower, you know, they always use that analogy when you pick a flower out of the ground and you're like, you're not really loving the flower because you just killed the flower. Yeah. Yeah. You want to possess it because you think it's so pretty mm-hmm. instead of letting but it But now be you can't admire it in its environment. Thing that it is. Yeah. So when you and I met, basically the transition of Pat and I's relationship has been since you and I met. <laughs> so when I started working there was us basically learning that our relationship doesn't really work in the way it was. And you recognize that because I was like fucking angry at him all the time being there. And it's not that like we don't get along. It's not that we like argue at home or anything like that. It's the only time that we have these relationship problems are when we sit there and pretend like we're not ever going to have love for anyone else. That's the only time these issues come up. You know what I mean? So then that like slowly progressed our relationship into like, okay, well, we're recognizing this. We don't necessarily want to remove each other from each other's life because it's not our relationship had always started from a point of being friends. We weren't going to date for very long. Then we ended up still being together. But I think we've always had this very soft understanding of like society doesn't work for us as it is anyway. So if we can try and figure out how we can make all of this work for us, then that's better, Yeah, I guess, in a way. But yeah, it's extremely unconventional. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, how are you like in an open relationship but still like together still get along still all of this stuff but so like I don't know we just recognize in each other that like we're not the kind of people who like it'd be silly to think that we're only gonna love just each other for the rest of our lives yeah it'd be silly to think that we just know that that's not who we are as individuals so why would it be now if that makes sense yeah I think that I think that that is a really hard thing to to achieve like Mm -hmm. within yourself or with another person Mm -hmm. and I think only really works when you're with someone that you do really still trust yeah so that even when you have that open relationship there's still a chance where you might feel betrayed at some point Mm -hmm. so i think under having an understanding with each other 
or having some sort of boundary still or expectations yeah, with yeah. each other. Like, okay, this is what I'm expecting. Is that what you're expecting? Right. So that one day in your, in your open relationship, you're not like, hey, these are the terms what we the agree fuck? to and you still went against them, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. For us, it's just like protect the home front, you know? Protect the home front, protect the friendship, and then everything else can basically be discussed, I guess. Yeah, because I've had a couple of friends that have been in open relationships that, you know, the other person broke the terms of the open relationship. Like, okay, this we're in an open relationship, but only with like these types of people or only with people that we discuss or But then it's like when you put too is. many when you put too many regulations on it, then is it an open relationship anymore? Well, are you just in a, a relationship with like I think that's the issue though, is those are people that were not are not ready to be in an open relationship or yeah. in an, or in are in an open relationship with the wrong person. Yeah. With someone that they don't actually ultimately trust. Yeah. Where I feel like Pat and I, it's always been a friendship first. So that's the only reason why it does work out well for us. Cause we understand each other on a like individuals level. I think we've done a good job of always separating ourselves as people, you know, like I don't really take his issues personal and then he's like learning to not take my issues personal. So yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. And there's definitely times where it's been hard for me because I'm like, well, I want to be like, I want someone to be like, nope, you're mine. Like, I'm going to marry you. I'm going to swoop you up. Like, we're going to blah, blah, blah. But also, I don't want to force that. I don't want to be seductive, force that. And then five years down the road, be where I knew I was going to be now, if that makes sense, you know? But yeah, I don't know. I just think that we should all be treating our relationships a little bit more care for like the individuals and not so much care for the how it's represented or how it looks to the outside world or anything like that or or like we were talking about that like possessive love or even the codependent who's like no I actually even though I'm coming across as the person who's giving to you it's because Mm -hmm. I actually really need something from you yeah where it's like give yourself what you need first so that way your relationships can flourish how they're naturally supposed to flourish yeah so I had never read Art of Seduction so I looked up some other things first mostly because I knew that you had already read that book so there's no point in me reading it and us talking about the same things but what are some things like between love and lust that like you notices noticed in yourself like do you notice any red flags where you're like oh shit I am way in lust versus oh I might be falling in actual love with this person I feel like for myself that like in lust I might not feel as safe with them or able to maybe be myself feel comfortable you get that gut instinct or yeah almost like walking on eggshells kind of thing like I think when you're in lust it's maybe somebody that's not actually giving you what it is that you need you're just kind of entranced or by them so you almost feel like okay oh, i don't want to lose this you know yeah i need to like kind of walk on eggshells and make sure that i'm staying preserve like, me keeping it doing whatever it is that that person wants me to do because like it's like an addiction mm-hmm. versus like being in love you're like oh i'm free to be myself and they are themselves and we just kind of have this like it's almost relaxing versus yeah. like an anxiety driven yeah yeah i'd agree completely If you're in lust, you'll notice a lot of idealization. So putting them on pedestals. The other thing, like what you're saying with codependency, you'll be projecting what it is that you need on them. And so that's something that you have to recognize in yourself right away. So that way you're not being in that position or so that way you're also not a victim of it. I've definitely been in relationships and times where I basically create the dialogue of who I think this individual is because I want them to be that way because, you know, and then all of that is lust driven. None of that is love driven at all, you know? Yeah, because you really, really, really want them to be this person. Yep. So you're, you've basically created the lenses in which 
the blinders are in the area so that way you don't see they're not this person and you're just tunnel vision for, nope, they are this person. They totally are. And I love them. Yeah. You take all the red flags, you make like a bouquet of it and you're like, it's going to take this down the aisle. It's okay. <laughs> red flags. I, I love all the red flags. It's amazing. One day I'll say yes. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, so I found three fucking powerhouse women when I was doing research on this and all of them talk about seduction in a manner that is not about being manipulating, but just being empowering. So the first person, her name is Seema Anand. I, I posted her, I posted a few of her YouTube videos on the Pinterest because she has a ton of information. She deep dives into Kama Sutra and it's a huge topic. So I would definitely like go do more research if anyone's interested in it. But she deep dives into Kama Sutra and apparently with Kama Sutra, there's 64 skills that you're supposed to master. And her theory is that when you break these 64 skills down into segments of life or chunks of life, um, a lot of them don't sound like they're relevant, but it's teaching you how to master yourself and your sexual desires, essentially, through slow movement and everything, because that's kind of what Kama Sutra is, all tantric, all slow. And then she also calls this kind of like the elixir of youth, because you're learning all of these skills of self-mastery. It's kind of like that glow that you have when you're when you're working on yourself well. So it's like using sexual ener- energy to your to your highest benefit to where you're like basically just radiating. And so they call it the elixir of youth. And she also talks about how seduction is supposed to be like I... I Thinking about seduction, I usually think about it as a one-way type of thing. You don't really associate it associate it to being like an interaction, right? Like a seductive interaction. It's mostly like a one-sided when you're referencing seduction. Or what do you think? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, at least the way that the artist seduction talks about it is mm-hmm. that the seducer is actually very in tune with the person that they're seducing. But what about the other person? The other person is being seduced. So they're just totally obsessed with that person. Just like entranced by it. Yeah. Yeah. But so the way that Seema explains it is that it's actually supposed to be more of a mutual interaction. So kind of more of like a poetic experience. Instead of like the victim and the manipulator. Yes. And then the other thing that she talks about, which is, this is like way dig deeper. She talks about how... Feminine is fluid energy. Okay. So you have your moon cycles and the feminine energies interact with the moon cycles because, you know, women are essentially fluid energy. Mm -hmm. So she talks about how in the Kama Sutra with each moon phase is a shift in what erogenous zone is meant to be like massaged or nurtured. Um, during like your sexual experience or your Kama Sutra or whatever. Um, and based off the the moon phases, it it's like more interactive with the woman's body. Like s- seduction is more of like a bedroom art is kind of how she's like talking about it mm-hmm. and tapping into all of that. And then she's also saying like, don't be, a lot of people will be afraid of of passion because they associate it with lust. But the thing is, is that, Lust is always going to, like, basically exist. Lust isn't necessarily a bad thing, and lust can evolve into love. So just because, like, you're in lust with someone doesn't mean you won't ever be in love with them, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It's just, like, the lustiness is everything that starts out. Yeah. So she's saying, like, don't don't pull away from things that are passionate. Like, you should be diving more into it. You should be creating it more of, like, building up all of these energies. And she's saying that sexual energy is the most powerful energy that – humans can hone harness and master but it's one of the only energies that we've basically just depleted ourselves from and Mm -hmm. don't understand at all yeah 
So I found all of that like really, really fucking interesting and very like very, very erotic and turned it into not something that's manipulating, but instead something that's an experience for two people. Yeah. You know, and not just like, how can I be extremely successful and run my way to the top or how can I master this individual? But instead, like, how can we create like a beautiful experience out of seduction? You know? Yeah. And kind of build both people up instead of building one person up and actually like Put, putting the other person down mm-hmm. as far as they can so that you can manipulate them instead being like, Hey, let's build each other up and just have both have high, you know, energies and just be yep. the best that we can be with each Cause other. Cause then what's happening is you're constantly, it, you know, it's like ladder steps. You're constantly building energy, building energy, building energy, where most relationships, it's usually like one side or the other side is depleting. And then you guys are having to start back from zero. Yeah. She explained it as like a, a mutual study of desire and self-control. So full awareness of the intense desire to make love, but not necessarily acting on it. And so that's what's building all of the, the like extra energy. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, obviously after you orgasm or you come, you know, you feel that kind of like all of that energy that you've been Mm -hmm. building up is now kind of gone. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of figure out a way to, like you're saying, there's, you're constantly building this energy. Even if you do have that ending, you don't want it to just be like, okay, well now we're not interested in each other anymore. Now it's just like, you want it to be kind of a continual experience that you're getting more out of it than just like, let's just get to this end point where we can come. Well, and that's and then... why it's so important when you pick your, your partners understanding that like the masculine energy is supposed to hold space and not have climaxing being his goal, because then that allows the space for the female to build all of that energy. And even though a female comes, it doesn't necessarily mean that she's depleting that energy. Um, where a man, when he comes like, yes, he is depleting that energy. Yeah. But a female can keep harnessing it, keep building it and keep like amplifying it. Yeah. Like that's why they can have multiple orgasms. But it's like the roles have been reversed. And we think that men are supposed to be the one who are like, or I mean, it's not that we think that men should be the first one who are pleased, but it's just somehow evolved into that. I I almost feel like people that men have had this expectation with me that I'm going to be able to come the way that they come. Like, okay, well, you know, have you came yet? Or like. How, you know, telling me like they want me to like announce it or something. And it's like, yeah. for me, if I announce it, I'm going to lose it. You know, if I'm like, I'm coming, like I'm not going to be coming anymore. You know, I don't come the way that man does. Well, and like, women it's aren't not supposed like to. This build up, build up, build up. And then this big thing, like I can have more like micro, micro orgasms, you know, that yeah. like you're talking about these multiple orgasms. So, well, and he should be more in touch to the point where he is aware of when you have come. Cause the issue is if he can't, recognize that in you he's not holding he's not space actually, for you and he's yeah he's not actually in tune with your body at he's all. holding space for himself his goal is his climax like just yeah. tell me when you've done it so i can do it exactly yeah. exactly he hasn't held any space or any awareness at all you know which yeah. is like it, i mean it just like goes along with us learning on how to like pick people who like see that you know what i mean because like i don't know did you have any like gut feeling Wait, what? Like a gut feeling that it was going to be. Because, like, I know if I'm, like, I don't know, casual hookups or whatever, like, I'll recognize if it's, like, not going to be. Well, I mean, I think that, yeah, when sensual guys, or when fill guys a void. have said that to me, it's almost like, okay, you don't, you know, like, have you not noticed when I have come? Like, can yeah. you not feel that? Can you not feel, like, my body trembling or, like, whatever, you know? Are you 12? <laughs> yeah, like, are you not realizing that that's happening or... I don't know. It almost made me feel like an object or like as if they have this expectation that I'm like their porn star or something like, okay, am I like, supposed to put on a show like I'm for a you? show? Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm a 
human body and like as as much as you're not responsible for my orgasms like an orgasm is still yeah and it's still a reward so i'm sorry but if you haven't put the work in like why do you deserve the reward yeah you know or even like i've had people ask me to take videos of myself like with you know the coming at the end and it's Mm -hmm. like i'm not a man i can't just show you myself ejaculating like yeah it's you know i don't know maybe certain women can do that maybe but I can't. I don't know. I don't know. If I were you, I'd be like, no. Like, well, I did. You can earn like, that. No, I can't do that. You can earn that, and then you can get that. But, yeah. like, no. <laughs> if you didn't make that happen, why? No. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, uh, I think it's, I was also reading um, some stuff online about there's different, I know you had a podcast a couple weeks ago about, mm-hmm. or, like, we could go about orgasms, but it was talking about how women can have different types of orgasms, and certain women can have certain orgasms that other women can't have. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really... I think that men don't understand that and all men kind of have the same orgasms, you know? So yeah, they're kind of expecting a woman to have an orgasm the way that they orgasm. Well, and I think so many men are not, not in touch with their sensuality and they're kind of like made to think that if they're being sensual, then they're, I don't think they just, I don't, I just don't think a lot understand sensuality at all. It's almost like sitting in a room with someone and like just not watching TV, but having like small conversation. Like some guys just don't understand that to them. That's like, boring yeah you know what I mean and so I don't know I just tap that into like if you don't understand that you also don't understand sensuality like you can't understand being in the moment and just having this moment this presence and this awareness yeah honestly like my favorite times with men have just been like playing cards and watching a tv show or you know like just having kind of those like intimate moments where you're like let's just enjoy each other's company yeah well because we don't get between each other we don't get that often like our our the the like era that we're in people are so quick they need music on all the time they need a tv show on the background all the time like we have so many things that are so stimulating all the time that well i remember my grandparents when we would go over to their house all we would do was sit around their dining room table and like talk that's how it is in my grandparents too and sometimes i think about that and i'm like how did we do that we were never awkward or anything we would literally just sit around their table and like just talk for like an hour and a half dude i fucking love it my grandma'd be falling asleep and we're all just still sitting there talking. <laughs> I think it's great. Like we all need to get back in touch with that because we lose so much about human interaction, being aware, being accountable. Like we're not sitting and having conversations anymore. And it's, <laughs> I mean, even like I, you know, at a work in restaurants and you see women come into restaurants and they all sit around, you know, the restaurant and they talk and I'm like, what is it? How is this different than you guys talking in your house? But for some reason, if a bunch of women are sitting in their living room or in, you know, a side room and they don't have things going on around them. They're not in a space where they think it's psychologically okay to just enjoy each other's company. Then mm-hmm. they feel awkward. Yeah. And all the anxieties come in. Let me check my phone. Let yeah. me like fidget with this. But for some reason, when they're in that restaurant, they can feel that. And I think that's little things like when you drop the check, you know, they won't pay because then they feel like if they pay the check, then they now have to leave. Mm-hmm. So they're going to not pay it so that they can feel free to just be themselves and talk to each other. Like, why do we have to have these standards just to feel like we can talk to each other and just enjoy each other's company? Like, yeah. Like, why are we so out of touch with all of it? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. The other woman who I, I don't know where she's from. I, 
yeah, I don't know where she's from, but she's a psychologist. And so she has a lot of videos on her anonymous therapy sessions and mostly sex related, but she, you know, she taps into like, if you're having sexual issues, it's always goes back to your relationship and your connection with the other person. But her interpretation of seduction and sexual interactions, it wasn't necessarily worded around seduction, but it was more erotic intelligence, I think is what she called it. Um, And so she was talking about the idea that sex is a place you go. So, you know, it's not about climax. It's about stepping into that experience. And I talked to you about this a little bit, like with not necessarily role playing, but stepping into a persona. If you're like going to have a sexual experience, you're not necessarily used to stepping into a little bit of a persona. So Mm -hmm. that way you can like disassociate who you are, what your insecurities are, and instead just jump into having like a fun sexual experience. So she's saying sex is a place that you go. It's an experience that you have. Like you can drop everything else away and just step into exploring with someone, you know? And when you're touching and playing with someone without having the concept of climaxing in mind, it opens you up to like more of the teasing things, like having feathers and just like sensual touching, I remember one of my friends was talking about a time where they did Molly and they didn't do anything sexual, but they just did hand massages all night, you know, and that's like a form of intimacy that we're so out of touch with. But that's also a form of seduction. It's a form of being in touch with yourself. It's a form of tapping into all of those energies and not having it be just climaxing, just orgasming, just like going to the extremes of things. Yeah, I actually had a um, boyfriend when I was younger that we did Molly together and we actually were both virgins at the time. Mm -hmm. So he was actually, he was upset because he knew that we were that night, we were either going to do Molly or we were going to have sex. And I told him I wanted to do Molly. Mm -hmm. We didn't want our like first time ever to be on Molly. Right. So he was pretty mad about it, but we did the Molly and we actually ended up talking and we actually took a bath together. Oh, that's so cute. And we, I feel like bonded that night way more than we would have if we would have just fucked you know? yeah and in the morning of course was when like we had sex yeah and it made it even better because the night before we had actually gotten closer and we had mm-hmm. bonded we had talked and we like kind of understood and had very like seductive moments for, like, yeah. in the bath together and stuff like that yeah it made it even better I love that and the molly fuzzies the next morning are always the best <laughs> yeah we like got it we were in San Francisco we like got a hot dog and stuff and we were like it's funny because the girl who like served us the hot dog was like the prettiest girl ever. We were both like, that girl was really pretty. Oh my goodness. She had the most beautiful eyes. Like we were just Molly so happy. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I just love you so much. Ooh, my sweater feels so good. Everything's amazing. <laughs> I want to read a quote from this woman because it's really, really amazing. So she said, what is self-esteem? It is the ability to view ourselves as flawed individuals and still hold ourselves in high regard. Self-esteem is anything but perfection. And I love this because she's kind of like removing the taboo of you need to be perfect to be seductive. If that makes sense. Like your flaws and the things that make you uniquely beautiful are what tie someone into your seductive style. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you maybe parts of you that are in part of what, what was, what was she talking about? The, the unseductive qualities. Oh yeah. But it's like some quirks like that, like someone might find those things appealing, you know? So, well, I think the difference is that the anti-seducer, you're, you're like what we were talking about earlier when you're projecting those things onto people mm-hmm. versus knowing, okay, I'm a kind of a needy person or I, or whatever you're, you think that your qualities are bad. 
knowing those things, but then not using them as the way to be demanding them from other people. Mm-hmm. Just being like, hey, this you're is not who a victim. You're not a victim of your qualities and yeah. so you em- embrace it. Yeah. And you use them just to kind of like be yourself. Yeah. Like, hey, this is who I am. Yeah. Does that work for you or? Right. And then the people who are right for you, like it totally will work for them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what if we just literally said that to each other? Like, hey, like, I mean, not literally, but, you know, if people were more honest about who they were, like, hey, this is who I am. Like, I mean, I, I want to say like the last I started being that way when I met Pat. And that's why our relationship probably started strange the way that it did, because it was more like, no, you're just going to be here for the summer. Like, I can tell you're a fuckboy. Stay right there. But I think being honest in that regard is like why I'm okay with who I am. You know, like I'm a completely different person than I was when I met Patrick. But Patrick's been the relationship where I'm like, I don't really not communicate anything that I'm feeling, if that makes sense. Like I can be very blunt. Sometimes it hurts his feelings and I should be less abrasive or choose better words. But does that make sense? Yeah. And then the last thing that Esther Perel said is love is a trick of the mind. Pleasure is imagination and enjoy being enchanted. And I thought that was really cute too. Cause it's just like, don't be, cause like seduction scares me a little bit, but it's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of all of like the lustiness. Don't be afraid of all the love, the possibilities, just because it could be something that's like gonna, gonna potentially hurt you instead. Just embrace the moment and enjoy. Yeah. I think I like, was it the first one? It kind of goes along with that, just the idea that you're almost building each other up and you're both having this experience rather than the Robert Greene version of seduction, which has kind of been this historical idea of like, I need to be manipulating someone else because if I'm not manipulating someone else, they're going to be the one manipulating. Yeah. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Like, I I think the nine styles of seduction is a very good tool just to be able to recognize maybe Mm -hmm. who you are. But I think that going as far as the way that he did in the book and all these historical people that have been seducers, it's just, it's not creating a healthy experience, yeah. you know, or something that you should really actually strive for. Right. Yeah, I agree. And then the last perspective on seduction, which this one's my favorite. So her name is Chen Lizra and she is from Cuba. And so she says that the ingredients for seduction, her her opinion, are desire, confidence, body language, and building arousal. So she was talking about how the Cuban culture, they're a communist country. This video was in 2003, so I don't know if they're still under whatever, but she was explaining how they're in a communist country. So their propaganda and how they advertise body image is, doesn't exist the way that it exists here. So people don't have those body image self-esteem issues because everyone just kind of embraces their sexuality. And she, the way she represented it kind of made me think of like how birds like cock dance for each other. Is that how you call it? Is that what it's called? I don't know. know. Where where they're like all fluff, they they like fluff up and try and mate dance each other. Sounds right. I don't know. I hope so. Otherwise I'm like way embarrassing myself. But anyway, so the way she describes seduction reminded me of like how birds do mating calls with each other. So it's very, very like, because I mean, you've met people who are from like Brazil and Cuban, like their sexual energy, you can feel it a fucking mile away. They are intense. It's all in the eye gazing. Their body language is very representing what they want you know what I mean so she kind of described it as like this game of like keep trying maybe you'll get it you know what I mean and the guy being like oh I like this and she's like no no you can't have it and then him keep trying and it's like well okay yes I kind of like it and it's like this cute little seductive sexy dance you know what I mean but everyone is 
not abrasive with their body language, but it's very, very clear. She's like, you walk down the streets in Cuba and like you turn your whole body and you check people out and you're like all in it with the eye gazes and stuff like that. And I think that's like a beautiful, seductive culture like that. I wish we embraced more of here. Yeah. Not having all of the like, well, I'm this or I'm that. But instead just like, no, yeah, I like you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, I think that like, like I was saying about being honest about who you are, I feel like it's not like that at all. I've had a lot of people give me advice on how to get into relationship that have been very much like, don't be yourself. Like, yeah, and it's like, do I want that relationship then? Yeah, pretend to be somebody else until you get in the relationship and then you can be yourself. And it's like, but then I'm just lying about who I am. And then what kind of relationship is that? And then what happens when like, I'm myself for a day? Like, do I need to go away yeah. if they don't like it? Yeah. No, I don't like that at all. No, I think that you should always be who you are. And if someone doesn't like it, they'll fucking fall away. And that's how it should be. You shouldn't keep people around who you have to be on eggshells or you have to change who you are so that way they like you. And then like five years from now, what's that going to do to you? It doesn't do anything. I don't know. Yeah. I think it like depletes you. It It shows on your face. It shows in your energy. It shows in like how you treat that individual too. Like those are usually the relationships where you see like one party is way overpowering or, and the other person's just like meek and lets it happen. Yeah. Cause it's like, you've basically just submitted yourself to a shitty relationship. I think that like seduction can be really exhausting too, especially if you're not being yourself. If you feel like you have to almost seduce the other person as, and pretend to be somebody else. Like you haven't mastered like, okay, this is who I am and this is how I can, you know, be sexy and attractive as myself Mm -hmm. you feel like that your self-esteem is really low and you almost feel like okay I have to pretend to be this other person yeah my therapist at one point was like oh well you know relationships are like a dance and I was my my response was like I don't want to fucking dance like I just want to go home (laughs) (laughs) but it's like I guess the idea of like I I mean there's some people who just want to go home too you know like I don't want to have to exert so much energy just Mm -hmm. to feel like I can have someone to be like comfortable and feel safe with and have a relationship with, you know? Yeah. I just want to meet someone at my level and have them be at their level and we can just like be that together. Well, and have them admire and appreciate you for who you are so that you can do the things that you like to do. And they're just like, oh, cool. Like, wait, what did you say? Like be engaging in what they're, what you're interested in. You know, it's like when we, when we try too hard to be perfect for someone else, they don't give a fuck about your interests. You've spent so much time trying to consume yourself with what it is that they like, that you're basically them at that point. So they don't even think to ask about you because at what point have you made anything about you? Yeah. You haven't at all. So yeah. Um, Do you want to add anything else on that? No. Cool. Cuban culture is sexy. Be more like that is basically all I got for it. Um, I did post uh, some really good stuff. So go dive, go, go dive in on Pinterest on the things I posted because they're really fucking awesome. Um, I know I've been promising you guys Mariah, but she's still busy. And next week I will be out of town. So I think I'm going to do a solo episode next week. Let me know if you have suggestions for topics. Otherwise, I'm going to pick one or ask you strange things on Reddit and see what I come up with. <laughs> Um, thanks for being on this week's episode. Thank you for having me. (laughs) All right. Bye guys. Have a wonderful week.